Podcast. I'm Grant Bruner, and with me today is Rob Webster. How you doing, Rob? I'm not bad. How are you doing, Grant? I'm absolutely fantastic. So, uh, Rob, of course, was with us uh, a while back. He was on our, our Mass Effect 2 podcast. And uh, so, wh- what was your was the Mass Effect 2 podcast your first podcast you've ever been on? No, no. it's um, I spent three years as a radio production student, so I've done a lot of kind of radio shows and stuff like that, which is where I get my charisma from. <laughs> uh, so, what... The way it turned out, the way we had a couple of people was um, the way that we did the first few episodes, and I and I'm absolutely not abandoning that format. I, I actually enjoy having a bunch of people, but I decided that it would be nice to actually have, a, a, you know, we had we found a bunch of really cool people when we did have that, you know, that big open call, you know, people on the Penny Arcade forums, people on Twitter that were following the Mass Effect uh, Twitter account. We did this big open call, and we found a bunch of really cool people. Uh, and I figured it'd be nice to have them on, you know, one-on-one, so you can actually get some more time to talk. Uh, you're not competing with each other, because, uh, you know, when you have three, four people on a show, it, it can get kind of uh, messy. So, today, let's talk about Mass Effect 3, because when you were on the Mass Effect 2 podcast, um, we ended up talking a lot about Mass Effect 3, and I yeah, we did. <laughs> cutting a lot of it out, because it wasn't really relevant to what we were talking about, and it kind of um, made the episode run long. So, I figured it'd be nice to have you back. And we can actually talk about Mass Effect 3 yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and actually put it in the podcast, which would be great. Um, so what, today we're going to talk about Mass Effect 3, um, the DLC that it has been released and will be released, um, talk about the, ma- the multiplayer, talk about maybe even the future of Mass Effect if, uh, if we uh, don't run long. So let's start off Mass Effect 3. Were you happy with the way that Mass Effect 3 turned out? I'm very happy with the way Mass Effect 3 turned out. I know that it's a sort of fairly polarizing game, but I was genuinely quite surprised to find out because when I was playing Mass Effect 3, I was in a sort of bubble for four days. It was uh, my brother and his girlfriend were around, but I barely said hello to them because they chose to come around on the same weekend that it came out. And I was just sat there, plugged into the monitor like clockwork orange in the eyes, peeled open, and... Uh, it's when I finished it, it felt like how I expected to feel when Harry Potter ended. Uh-huh. It's sort of, I finished it and went, oh, that's the end of it. Then about 10 minutes later, just after my brother and his girlfriend had gone home, there's a sort of a oh, little man here then. And then it went into full floods of uh, man tears. And yeah, it was. The emotions, they, they started flowing. Yeah, completely, absolutely. It's, I thought. Absolutely heart-rending game. Gameplay had improved. The storytelling had improved. I really liked it myself. So let's actually break it down to a couple different uh, aspects. And the the gameplay, as you just brought up, um, for me, that was one of the biggest... steps forward where um that you know the, the a lot of the storytelling stuff w- has been you know you know top tier since the beginning um, yeah but but the gameplay stuff was not great and it's coming out like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't terrible it wasn't awful in the first game but it, it needed a lot of improvement and it got a lot of improvement um compared to one and then compared to two uh, three is a big improvement like what 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 about mass effect 3's gameplay did you enjoy the most? I think it just felt uh, in itself like a proper... I mean, they all felt like proper games. It wasn't, I didn't buy Mass Effect and go, well, this is, a, this is fairly boring okay. gameplay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking it was a half game, but it's, it felt like... Oh, it felt like the game it could have always been, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're trying... Like, 
it had the first game obviously you know it, and i'm it's not it's not you know criticizing bioware because when you're starting a new franchise and you know their mass effect one was their first game with the unreal 3 engine um so you're starting a new game you're starting a new engine um you don't you don't have the experience like they get to have you know whatever five years four years however many years it was um between you know the, the beginning of development in in four and the beginning of development in, or one in the beginning of development in uh, three yeah um so they have all these years of experience to build up on that they didn't have they just you, they could not have put made mass effect one as smooth and as as good in gameplay wise as three because they just didn't have that experience yeah absolutely uh- what I think I'd say, actually, now that I've had a couple of seconds to collect my thoughts, is I think that Mass Effect, if the story hadn't been as good, I don't think that they would have made a sequel. It's it relied the story is what kept it afloat as a franchise. The gameplay was just a method of telling the story. Yeah, exactly. where it, you could put the Mass Effect sorry, um, you could put the Mass Effect three gameplay into any game and it'd still sell quite a few copies, and there'd probably be demand for a sequel. That's a good point, and and. That what really differentiates um, Mass Effect Three from other third-person shooters. Like, the, there there are superior third-person shooters gameplay-wise. Like, people love Gears of War and 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 those type of games, and people love first-person shooters as well. Um, Mass Effect, while the, Mass Effect Two made huge improvements to the gameplay, and Mass Effect Three made even bigger improvements or even better improvements. Um, that's not the selling point of Mass Effect. I don't feel like people. No. But selling the selling point is this is a really cool um, kind of almost kind of kitschy um, you know nineteen eighties um, homage to science fiction. It's kind of it's like a, almost like a love letter to science fiction, but it's it's it can be a love letter and be kind of silly at times. Like oh, it's it's a Mass Effect feel, did it? Um, yeah, but yeah, it's also serious at the same time, where you can have the seriousness of there actually is peril, and the Reapers are actually really scary, and you do feel like, wow, I'm say, you know, I'm going to save the universe or this galaxy. That's really cool. So you can yeah. you have these serious moments, and then you also have these fun uh, kind of novelty, you know, wink, wink, wink nudge, nudge moments uh, that that kind of reference sci-fi and and the culture around it. So I think that's the really big selling point, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what I really feel like Bioware does so well um, as as a game developer is they're able to do. You can have a serious game with funny moments. Yeah, it's um, there's a nice quote. I think it might be Russell T Davis who said it, which is appropriate sci-fi writer. But um, he said that there's kind of a fallacy that. Drama is tragedy and comedy is comedy, whereas actually tragedy is tragedy, comedy is comedy, and drama is comedy and tragedy. And I think it combines them perfectly. It has got, it breathes life. I mean, it really is that their characters, because you get so much depth in in some of the characters. Obviously, some of the characters are less explored than others. But you know, with Shepard and Liara and Garrus and like the main the main characters, Tally. You get so much depth of the characters. You get to see them grow, and especially over the three games, get to, getting to see them grow and expand as characters. It makes them seem real. And and when they're you know when they're just hanging out on the Normandy, you know, talking talking to uh, Javik or talking to James or whatever, like that makes them more real. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's uh, and Morden as well is a good example. Oh, sure. I think <laughs> nine minutes in first Morden reference <laughs> of many. 
Um, so uh, one of the well, – I just brought it up, and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Um, one of the coolest parts, I thought, of Mass Effect 3 and, and one of the biggest changes they did is that um, when you're on the Normandy, the characters move around. They're not, yes. just, they're not just stationary, you know, oh, well, this is my location. This is where you find me. Um, you know, you'll come back from a mission, and so you'll come back from a mission, and Garrus will be out talking to Javik, or he'll, you know – Tally will be somewhere else, and you won't be able to yeah. find her. You have to check your map, and then she'll be having a drink at the bar. Yes, drunk Tally is the absolute best Tally in the world. <laughs> I agree. It's the it's the perfect brand of Tally. Um, what, do you think that if they not had that, the game would be worse? I mean, not 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 it would be bad, but it would be less. It would be less than it is now. Yeah, it's. I think they got the feel of the Normandy right um in well it's they never got it wrong in the previous games it's uh, again it's hard to give compliments without making it sound like i'm detracting from the rest i'm not it's all yeah i understand what you're saying you're saying that like it was good before and now it's great yes precisely and it's i really like as well that uh it was it felt like a full house so it's like when you were doing the missions maybe the primark would be up in the war room and board and souls would be down tending to even whatever and you do get this it feels like a home rather than just a ship which is lovely yeah you were normandy and every time every time you're in a sci-fi universe where there's a ship uh, i guess the same thing with a whatever like you know if it's a if it's a naval story you talk about how the the actual like the ship is is part of uh is a character in and of itself same thing with sci-fi um where the normandy is kind of a character in and of itself um i I wonder if uh, if they if you know in in Mass Effect Two they they blew up the Normandy and they're like oh he, it's Normandy SR two I wonder if they would have said okay well we're not getting the Normandy this it's this new ship now I wonder if we would have the same affection for it or if it would have felt um, more hollow Well I think part of the arc of Mass Effect Two and this to be talking about Mass Effect Two in the Mass Effect Three podcast now I'm all <laughs> over the shop. <laughs> but it's you kind of are meant to feel frosty to it at first and then you slowly warm to it so it's like you hate Edie at first you hate Miranda at first you hate Jacob at first and that one carries on for a little while but uh you gr- gradually thaw and you gradually warm to them and it's I think after two games we wouldn't even remember the Normandy from the first game we would be all about the I don't know what's another town in France um the La Rochelle it's <laughs> the Eiffel Tower yeah um... <laughs> yeah that's a town, isn't it? Sure, uh, it's a, and that's in every that's in every single uh, you know uh, image of France, right? You take a picture, the Eiffel Tower is going to be in there. And if you're yeah, exactly, that's um, what France is. <laughs> uh, it's a theme park, isn't it? Of course, it's Disneyland's Eiffel Tower. <laughs> um, so I, I I wonder if we had not gotten much like the Normandy, you know, where we get the Normandy through all three games, we also get the characters throughout all three games and. The characters that are around the most um, are, tend to be the the most popular. Now, that's not necessarily always all the time, you know, the the case. But for the most part, like people have really really strong feelings for Tally and Garrus, and they're the ones who are in all three games as squad mates. Yeah, and that's almost a self fulfilling prophecy because it's because they carried on through one and through two. People love them all the more, and then I think they were brought back for three because people still love them so it kind of feeds into itself in that way yeah yeah and and and, but at the same time 
Um, we have we have characters that are introduced and they become beloved uh, characters, despite that we've never met them before. Like in Mass Effect Two, we have Morden, and then by three, I mean by the time we are in Mass Effect Three, like it is heart wrenching when Morden dies. Period. Oh, it is. It's I saved him the other day for the first time, and oh dear me, this. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Finally. Yeah, but at the same, but at the same time, it's like, oh, we, all I have to do to save Morden is doom an entire race of sentient beings. It's worth it, though. <laughs> one one Solarian is worth the lives of every single Krogan. They're just as doomed as they were at the start of that week. It's uh, it's not my problem. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um. So, but at the same time, you have you have Morton introduced, um, and you have Grunt that's introduced, and then now you have you have kind of flops that are introduced, like Jacob. There's not a lot of huge Jacob fans, and then no, and well, that's Kasumi, but oh well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's true. Kasumi's <laughs> a huge Jacob fan, yeah. Um, and then you have and you have like you know the James uh, Vegas of the world that were introduced in three. Now I I I, there, I feel like there's a big dichotomy because most people I talk to don't like James, but um, there are a handful of people and some people that have been on the podcast that really do like James and they yeah you're speaking to one of them. Oh, so, okay. So your thoughts on James? Uh, explain to me why you think he's a valuable character. Oh, Timmy. Um... Well, it's. I think that he's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell you why I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go on. So here's my problem with James: is that we're introduced to him, and we're so Shepard. Now, here I think here's the, the my main problem is that for the most part, Shepard and the player are supposed to be the same person. Yes, yes. Your shepherd, no, your actions are the actions that shepherd do that that shepherd takes and the actions that shepherd takes are the ones that you do. Um the problem is that we're introduced um in 3 and shepherd has this relationship with and not, not, I mean, it's not a deep relationship, they're not best friends, but they know each other, they're familiar with each other, um James and Shepherd. And the problem is that you as the player you don't know who the fuck James is, and all of a sudden Shepard, who is supposed to be you, is you know kind of buddy buddy with with him. Like they're not they're not best friends, but they're they're like oh hey what's up? Like you know he's he's calling him like you know like commander and all this like so he's talking to him like you're supposed to know who he is. Yeah. And it it it, it takes you out of it. At least take it took me out of it. That well wait a second I don't know James I don't care about James why why does my Shepard care? Because I, I for all intents and purposes I'm Shepard. Yeah, no, I I completely get that, and it's again I was slightly hostile to him at first, but it's I think as the game progressed and I started to invest more in James, I sort of started to respect him as a character in his own right, and I think as a character he is just as well crafted and well honed and just as interesting, and he grows as some of maybe not the top tier Morden Solis's Tarlies Garrison, but certainly as well. Um, Certainly, say better form than Jacob, better form than um, Zaid, better form than uh, what's her face, Samara. It's. Uh, but- I think that Samara might be might be above him, because Samara uh, has has. There's a lot of really interesting Asari lore that goes along with Samara that you don't get with with uh, what's his nose with with uh, James because, <laughs> because he's a human and like oh what are you going to learn more about how humans are like we fucking we know how humans are with, yeah with tomorrow we get to learn more lore about asari i i get that and um, i completely agree with you on that but i would say that samara teaches you about asari without having 
much personality of her own. I mean, she does have a personality, but she tends to keep it quite close to her chest, and she doesn't interact. Well, it's quite with a large chest. Much. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an ample chest. I will give her that. So it's probably an ample personality. But again, she keeps it very guarded, and she's very close. Whereas James, while he doesn't teach you that much about the universe at large, he's got quite an interesting, quite distinctive personality within himself, and I think. He's not like a top tier character. He's not like one of the most fascinating, but it, from a studio that is renowned for creating interesting, engaging characters, he's another interesting and engaging character. I'm I'm quite fond of him. He's kind of fl- he's he's flavor for the universe, not necessarily like he, he he's a background character. Like he he's at yeah. depth without actually being one of the flavors that you're actually uh, interested in exploring deeply. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that really pissed me off is that he he tries to give Shepard uh, a nickname, and I'm like, "Fuck you! <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to give Shepard a nickname. Uh, it is Commander, goddammit. Yeah, I'm going to give you a nickname. It is Dunderhead. <laughs> it's you're fired. Get off of yeah. my ship. Um, I don't like that at all. And the only person for all uh, that, in my opinion, the only person who can call Shepard anything other than Shepard or Commander is Kasumi, and she can call Shepard Shep. Yeah, and that's it. That's all the leeway. <laughs> that's all you get. That's all you get. Um, and and I, I feel that, well, number one, as a female, um, you get Lola, which is not good, but it's not terrible. But as no. a dude, it's, it's apparently, they, he calls you Loco. Which makes oh, right. no goddamn sense. No, it's he just smashed a car into the surface of Mars. Yeah, it's, it's and he horrible. calls us Loco. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. It's a horrible, yeah. horrible nickname. Um, not a huge fan of James, um, but I think your point is 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 fairly good that he does add some flavor, and you get to experience um, a human in the Alliance that is pre N seven that is interested in going into the N seven program. Yeah, and I would, yeah, 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 I'm with you. <laughs> so, that's pretty interesting. Now, oh, I know what I was about to say, sorry. I, I was just going to say, he's the only human at the start of Mass Effect 3 who's guaranteed to be alive as well, so I think he was needed from that perspective. That's a fair point. Um, that, you know, as Bioware, when you're developing a game that branches in so many directions, that you do have to have some sort of backup in case somebody's a complete idiot. Yeah, and, and basically ruined the game and and made all the wrong choices. Yeah, precisely. Um, okay, that's fair. Um, now, when you played it the first time, did you play it with the day one DLC from Ashes? I sort of did, but it turns out that if you close the window, then it just stops installing. I thought it would install in the background, so I was sitting there thinking, "When's Eden Prime going to come up?" And it didn't turn up until uh, the Cerberus base. So. I kind of had Jarvik for the last few missions, but no sooner, which is a shame. That's a bummer. Um, so, uh, what did you think of of Javik? Well, uh, it had leaked out a while back. Well, you know, quite a few months before the release, that mm. we were going to get a Prothean squad mate, and then they, they Bioware kind of tried to hush that, and they're like, "Oh, don't sh- <laughs> pretend, pretend that didn't happen." Um, but you know, obviously, it did happen, and we get Javik. Um, when you first heard that we were going to have a Prothean squad mate, uh, was it in-game, like when you, you go to Eden Prime and you get it, or, or did you hear about it before you started playing? It was within the couple of weeks before release. Um, 
I think I was looking at what's included in the collector's edition, and then I thought, oh, it's a sort of collector. Yes. That's quite nice. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so, did, did you did you like the way that Javik was implemented in the game? I did. I loved him, and it's again the wonderful thing that uh, all the Mass Effect games do, and I've harped on about this for plenty long enough, but I'm going to harp on again, is I like the way that it challenges your prejudices. And it's sort of, you assume that the Protheans are this wonderful, sophisticated, cultured race of Leonardo da Vinci's, and then all of a sudden you unfreeze him, and he's like, what are you doing, primitives? And, <laughs> except with a better accent. But. I, I, I love, I mean, that is really nice. And you, get, you really get to experience that through Liara. It yeah, is because Liara has you know romanced these the romanticized these characters like these these you know long dead uh, sentient life forms and she mm. you know in her mind spent all this time thinking that every single Prothean is like you know way smarter than all of us and way better than all of us and and you know like they're above they're above the petty nonsense that we have we we have day to day. Yeah, really, they're not. They're I mean, like they were an advanced civilization, but they're pretty much the same as as you know Asari and and Turians and humans are now. I mean, like they are they are flawed. They yeah, not everyone is a smart, brilliant person. Some of them are assholes. Yeah, and war had turned them into well, even before war, we get the impression they were a race of horrible imperialists who are sort of conquering everything in their past. Proper ancient Romans, yes. and it's I think. Uh, Another thing that's quite nice about Javik is that he's kind of teaches you never. It's like that phrase, "never meet your heroes." It's kind of you can put them on a pedestal, and you'll instantly find out that actually they're just people. Which is again, it's a lovely message. I mean, depressing but accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. It's like, is that the people? And I think it's actually it's a pretty good message too because you have all like every single person is going to have someone they look up to. They're going to have. A, a you know an idol of like oh man I wish that I was as good as X Y Z when in reality for the most part uh, with the, I would say with the exception of of uh, extreme outliers like you get the people who are you know like savants or you know, like the Lance Armstrongs who have you know like twenty thousand percent more freaking like uh, uh, yeah lung muscle or whatever than a normal person but for most part everybody that you look up to they're just normal per- people that put in a lot of effort. Yeah. Things. So that really is what they're saying. It's like, look, just because you idolize these people, they, they weren't special. They were. They just were normal people like you and us, um, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's you know, they crushed the myth that they built up over two built games, and then they make you like the person. Whether he wasn't a nice person, but you sort of loved him as part of your crew. Yeah. I mean, and that is not interesting because you kind of get to mold Javik into the way that you play because. He's going to be an asshole, and the way that Shepard responds um, kind of shapes the way that he acts. If you yeah. if you discourage him from being an asshole, and you're like, "No, we need hope," he is like, "Oh well, I guess that for the, you know for the sake of of continuing this mission, uh, you know, if we have any hope, I guess I'll follow Shepard's lead." Yeah, exactly. He's very good. I like Java. He's a, he's a, he's sort of an inkblot almost, and it's they carry on doing that. They carry on building up one thing and then going, "Well, actually." Here's, here's the reality. It's, yeah, myths and reality. Um, so a, a lot of people felt that Liara wasn't a great character in Mass Effect 1, and they feel like that in The Shadow Broker, she really grew and became a much more interesting character. Um, in 3, 
I have heard it argued, and I and I kind of believe this, that of all the squad mates in Mass Effect Three, she is the closest to Shepard's equal. Now, what do you th- what are your thoughts about that? Um, I would. I think I would consider Garrus more Shepard's equal than Liara. I, but oh, that's that's the first time I've actually heard that. Um, and just letting it sink in and trying to consider because she's she's a shadow broker now. That's not a spoiler anymore. We can say that. Because, yeah, because think about it. She the entire time she's the one. She's basically taken on like she. Okay, she might not actually be labeled the XO, but for mm. all intents and purposes, she has taken on the XO role. She's the yeah. one setting up, like, where do we need to go next? Liara's the one doing that. Liara, we need to look this up. We need your, your contacts for this. She's doing all this. So, like, every throughout the entire story, she's the one driving it. She's the one, Shepard, yeah. we need to do this. And you know what? When um, when the Vermeer survivor gets hit um, on Mars, she's hmm. the one that's like, Shepard, fucking, like, we had to go. We, like, we, they need help. We need have to go. Stop, stop dilly-dallying. I'd never, yeah, I've never considered that, but you're completely right. Yeah, it's Shepard needs her just as much as she needs Shepard by this point in the story. So yeah, yeah. And 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 to be fair, I mean, it, it, she is one of the few characters that is guaranteed to be there no matter what. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Bioware has to put a lot of um, resources into her character. Yeah. Um, because you know. You know, only so X percent of people are going to see Ashley. Only X percent of people are going to see Garrus and Tally and blah blah blah. But one hundred percent of people are going to see Liara. Yeah, she gets the most resources, and I really think that that comes out in the game. Yeah, that's yeah, it does, and it's only correct as well. I, I really feel like they, they did a really great job with Liara. And, and, you know, coming from me who romanced Liara, I think that's great. And I, obviously people who, who are more, who uh, romance other characters, they might feel kind of gypped. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, especially if you romance Jacob in, in two. <laughs> well. Did you get screwed? <laughs> but then on the other hand, not all stories should be equal. And the same, you shouldn't romance someone in Mass Effect 2 and then think instantly, oh, well, that means that I should be getting this amount of story units of gameplay out of them. It's They invested in that character, and that character followed a path that was true to... It was a very Jacob, in fairness, and that was kind of the risk they took on. So, And, and, and it, I mean, it is certainly more realistic that yeah. that not all not all relationships are going to end up the same. It's not, exactly. Oh, it's not, you know, like, not everything is, is a, you know, Shepard wins the day and gets everything that Shepard wants. It's not really, that's not how it works. Exactly, yeah. So I think it's richer for having relationships that go nowhere and relationships that uh, carry on billowing right until the very last, sometimes until the very last scene. Um, so... Let's talk about Thane, because I feel like Thane is a very strange um, character in two. Because he, you know, he is, you know, the quote unquote poster. He's a, he's a poster character, like he's on the box art of Mass Effect Two. Yeah, but you don't really get Thane until really late in the game. No, no, that's true. So I didn't feel very attached to Thane in Mass Effect Two. However, in Mass Effect Three. I became more attached to him as he begins to die and he basically sacrifices himself. What what are your thoughts on Thane and his and his um role in Mass Effect 3? Well, it's I've had a very unusual relationship with uh Thane throughout because again, as you say in Mass Effect 2, you start off fairly detached to him, but then I botched his loyalty mission and then I sent him into the tunnels and oh, all right. 
poor Thane. Poor Thane. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Did you say hold up in the middle of that? Wait, so <laughs> sorry. Um, can we redo this bit? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. It's... Sorry, I thought I thought you said that there was an error somewhere in there. No, no, I didn't say anything. All right, cool. I'm hearing voices. It's probably someone downstairs. Bastards. <laughs> well, uh, maybe it's a moth. That, it probably is a moth. They're after me. They're sabotaging my games. Now they're sabotaging my podcasts. Okay, so... Um, right, <laughs> ask Thane. me the question again. So, Thane, um, you know, Thane, late in the, you get Thane late in Mass Effect 2, and uh, I wasn't very attached to him uh, in Mass Effect 2. I didn't really care all that much. But in Mass Effect 3, he becomes a... M- more interesting and you know he he you know if you talk to him before xyz uh coordinate he you know he can sacrifice himself to you know save you and, and all those people um uh, what are your thoughts on thane as his characterization in mass effect 3 well is my trip with thane and mass effect 3 is quite a weird one and it's colored by my experiences in mass effect 2 because i met thane in mass effect 2 and thought wow this guy's pretty cool and then I instantly botched his loyalty mission and then sent him into the tunnels to die on the collector's ship. Oh, no. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but that means that I didn't have him, nor Commander Kirahi, actually, or Major Kirahi, um, for Mass Effect 3, and the Slarian Council died. So I didn't find out about his role in Mass Effect 3 until after I'd played through my first game. And it's... I thought, oh... He's just saved a Salarian counselor, and it's a fantastic death. It's I wasn't sure that he was going to be Mass Effect 3 at all. I thought that he would die between the two games, most likely, and that's kind of that was all. Yeah. yeah. Here's what I don't. Here's what I don't know. In my in my game, when Shepard kills Kai Lang, uh, she says, "That's for Thane, you son of a bitch." Um, I guess for some people, if you don't talk to Thane, or if Thane's dead and Captain Kira, he's alive. They say that was for Kirahi, uh, and then if some people, if they didn't have Kirahi or Thane and Miranda dies, they say that was for Miranda, you son of a bitch. But, Hello. But what I want to know is what happens if Kirahi dies in one, if Thane dies in two, and and the assassination takes place, What and but Miranda lives, what Ooh. does Shepard say? It would either be, that, that was for Thessie, you son of a bitch, or, and I hope it's this, that was for the Salarian Counselor, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I see. Uh, I hope it's the Salarian Counselor. We should Google that. Yes, I need to go on YouTube that and uh, immediately. All right, excellent. Um, so, Miranda is, I think, what we should talk about next. Um, what, Miranda is, is very um, cold, um, for most of Mass Effect Three, and it, it, and she becomes she becomes warmer and she warms up, especially if you're romancing. But even if you're not romancing, um, she does warm up quite a bit in Mass Effect Two, and in Mass Effect Three, provided um, that you actually care about Miranda and you're not trying to get her killed, um, <laughs> you can actually have quite an interesting kind of like a um, like a two uh, two spies passing in the night kind of uh, relationship with with Miranda. That's kind of interesting. Now, what do you think about how? Because now Miranda's no longer, you know, you know, Mrs. Cerberus. Um, she's on her own. What do you think about the way they took Miranda in Mass Effect Three? Um, I thought they took her down. It, it was very strange, sort of having a subplot bubbling along, sort of the seabed until it sort of rose up in the guys' right towards the end. And it's 
Yeah, it was a very unusual implementation. It's I didn't quite work out what was going on until I was on Sanctuary. It's um, because I sort of sometimes I find her and meet up with her. Other times I wouldn't. I, I didn't check my emails. I believe I admitted in the last podcast, and I might have got her a little bit stabbed. Um, so, uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about uh, romancing in, in in the in the Mass Effect Two podcast. Now, what? And throughout one, two, and three, what characters did you end up romancing? Um, well, in my main yeah, shepherd, Cannon Shepherd. Yeah, the first one's female shepherd because the man one didn't have long hair and wanted to make it look like me. Uh, she started with Liara and then very quickly grew bored in Mass Effect Two and stuck with Garrus for the rest of it. And, you, and how did you how did you like the Garrus uh, romance in in three? Absolutely superb, proper. It's um, I I didn't realize that you would get the uh, bottle shooting thing anyway. Mm-hmm. But oh, it was yeah. It's all of the little moments that and Garrus has got a lot of wonderful moments in his storyline. There's just the little character bits, the shooting the bottles, and when you're just about to face the final assault, when you speak about going to the bar and meeting at the bar, it's. It just made them all the more special. It's Garrus, always one of my favourite characters anyway, and he's all the more superb um, for knowing him in that way. Now, this is interesting, cause I, and I, I, I want to get your, your opinion on this, because for, for all intents and purposes, I've always liked Garrus, and I always thought that he was a good character, but mm-hmm. um, so many of the female guests that I've had on the show, and, and you know, I, I read a lot of Mass Effect threads, like on the Penny Arcade forum and such, uh, and there's a lot, of, and what's great is, is that this, this is a game that has a huge female uh, population playing, and that's great, um, and that a, lot of, a lot of women, not all of them, obviously, but a, a lot of them really, really like Garrus as a love interest, and I never really understood that i really feel like the way he's presented in the game is very much um a friend and you know like your space bro as they say um what about garris's relationship you think makes it makes his makes romancing him better than leaving him as you know a friend i'm possibly the wrong person to answer this but i think it's probably his loyalty is his appeal because he is unswervingly unflinchingly loyal to you and he's, yeah, probably loyalty. Um, so, you know, if you had to pick one plot or you know subplot or, or a story in Mass Effect Three as your favorite, can you can you think of one? Is there one that you you really really um, loved, like some something that you are a big fan of, and you're really surprised that you saw? I think the standout is the entire, in the first. The first act of the game, the entire Tachanka arc, starting right from Sakesh um, and ending in the curing or not curing of the genophages, the case may be. It's I think that is the pinnacle. But I think that's probably the best story, like the best single story told in Mass Effect history, which is only five years. But this is a pretty good, pretty good story. Yeah, I agree. That is, it's a fantastic um, plot. Um, were you disappointed that Rex was not a playable character? Uh, or not no. playable, but a crew, a crew character, I should say. I, I suppose I was never expecting him to be, so it's just seeing him there was a bonus. And it's I did occasionally think, oh, maybe we're going to go all Shadow Broker and have a lovely bit where we reunite with Rex and fight the Rat Knight together. But I didn't mind that it didn't come to fruition. I wasn't entirely holding my breath for it, too. It's, I loved what we saw of Rex, and I loved having him on the ship as part of the crew and 
talking to him again and being friends with him again. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed Rex's role for, for what it was. Now, um, the Vermeer survivor, you, you had you had actually survived, right? I did indeed. Uh, what did you think about how Ashley's character changes in three? Well, it's I think I in the first game I was very fond of Ashley, probably uncharacteristically fond of Ashley. It's um, you love I, racists. I, oh, well, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's. Um, I, you could see her prejudice is shifting, and I think I liked seeing her grow, and I liked the fact that it's you could cure not cure of the prejudices, but you could. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I feel like I've got to. I don't love racists, just for the record. <laughs> um, we... I, I understand what you're saying. You're try, you're you're saying that uh, you can kind of help inform her character and and try to push away what she's grown up with and and her, yeah. her her you know what's built in these negative uh aspects of her personality yeah. and try to help her grow as a person yeah and while i didn't necessarily approve of what she was i understood why she was the way she was and i felt her response in the character and thought this is storytelling precisely where it should be and thought absolutely fantastic very interesting character um not she's a hero but she's got a very big dark side is really well told but i think I didn't really connect with the Vermeer survivors after Mass Effect 1 at all. I, yeah. No, it's, I didn't like that she continued being suspicious of me throughout the rest of, uh, like, Mass Effect 2, Mass Effect 3. And it's by the time that she was actually in my party again, I had this whole host of other companions who I was a lot friendlier with for a lot longer. She, months ago since I'd last spoken to her, it's, I wasn't particularly bothered about her, and she'd been spent too long eyeing me with distrust that I didn't really have a place for her on my ship. Yeah, well, I, I really feel like they took too long dealing with the, with the Vermeer survivors' distrust of Shepard. I understand that that there is distrust, and they and but really, once you get past Mars, once 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 uh, you finish Mars, I think it should be over. Yeah, yeah, um, and the distrust is completely over. And then when the, when Cerberus, you know, takes over the Citadel, I don't think that the distrust needs to be there at all. No, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I think they just they just drug that out too far. Uh, and not that it was bad to have it there, just way way too long to have it um, go on. Uh, and I do I, I like the the characterization stuff they did, like where with Ashley getting drunk and uh, laying on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's great, um, Caden. Uh, he's not good. Caden is just—he's. I can't. I can't care about Caden. I, I try and I try and I can't. I've still not met him in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, it's, it's, so I can't comment on Caden. But yeah, you know I've, how everybody is is commenting slash criticizing uh, Ashley's uh, 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 bust enlargement in Three, and and especially when she's laying down uh, after she's been attacked on Mars. Same thing with Caden. Caden apparently has huge man boobs now. Right, uh, cool. Good for him. Yeah, they're, they're just huge, huge, gigantic. And he doesn't have a shirt on. And uh, it's very, it's, 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 I don't, here's the thing. Even, even if, even if I was a gay man or, or a straight woman, I don't think that would be very attractive. Um, it, yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same with, as a straight man, uh, Ashley. It sort of feels a bit um, gratuitous, just a bit seedy, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, well, I, yeah, it, it's 
I don't know. It seems more. It seems more strange than anything else. It's not yeah. off. I. It's not even like oh how dare they. It just seems like but why? I yeah. Don't even, I don't even understand. It's uh, like all right, grow up now, kids. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very very strange. Very strange. Um. So let's talk about um the ending now. Right. Uh, well, number one, which of the three paths did you take the very first time you played? I chose to control the Reapers. Oh, no. Um. Now, what are your thoughts about the original ending pre-DLC? Well, I I didn't understand what all the fuss was about. It's I get that apparently there was a lot of pre-publicity stuff when they were saying that there would be 7,000 endings and they will all be informed by whether you said hello to Emily Wong in the Citadel at the time. Um, but having been not part of that, I thought just perfectly serviceable ending. It's... I, I get the argument about you don't need... Uh, they didn't give any follow-up. They just sort of presented, you jump into a beam and then you see a ship crash and you don't really see how your actions are borne out. And as, while I like the extended cut and I'm glad for its place in the universe, it's I knew the impact of my decisions when I made my decisions. That's kind of why I made them. So it's when I chose to cure the genophage, I wasn't thinking this will look great when the credits roll. I was thinking that's what I want to do to the galaxy. So I think... I liked uh, sacrificing yourself to save the galaxy. I liked your legacy continuing in your head as much as anything. They couldn't possibly show it all on the screen. I thought it was fine. Were you happy that you picked Control the first time? I was. I I picked it again the second time when the extended cut came out. And having seen the ending that I got, yeah, perfectly happy. Um, it, it is very interesting that you picked that because for me... My, now, obviously, this re- depends completely on... Who you are, how you played Shepard, how you interpret the game. Um, yeah. But for me, I feel like Control is the worst ending for my Shepard. Uh, right. That it, it it's it's kind of a weird where Shepard becomes the Reapers and 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 especially if you play Renegade, you get this kind of ominous, um, you know, Shepard will become and the Reapers and do what the Reapers did previously, perhaps. Um, mm. That's really freaks me the hell out. Um, for me. Uh, well, the first time I did it, I really didn't understand how it worked, so I just walked forward, and I ended up <laughs> um, being sucked into Synthesis. Which right. I was like, well, this is kind of dumb. I really don't like Synthesis. Synthesis doesn't make sense. Also, one of my favorite, and I've said this many times before, but fuck it, I'm going to say it again. Um, right. I read that, uh, I think on the Penny Arcade forums, um, I read somebody that it made me laugh so hard uh, that... There's going to be um, non-spacefaring species out there in our galaxy, and they're going to wake up one day, and they're going to be half robot, and nobody's going to understand why. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like the idea of a yard just set up and they going, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Well, h- how come I'm a part uh, robot yeah. now? <laughs> hey guys, Susan, Susan, come in there. Look at my arms. Yeah, and, and I think that's hilarious to think about. Yeah, it's good. Um. <laughs> I you know it, synthesis doesn't it doesn't I I don't I don't I didn't like synthesis and I liked I liked destroy because I really I really felt like it was consistent with my shepherd um which was you know hey we got to we have to just we have to defeat the reapers it, like they're the threat we have to kill them and the first the, the ending of the in the first uh before the cut before the extended cut uh it's real downer um, destroys a huge downer because it's mm-hmm. like well now fucking everything's uh destroyed and who knows if we'll ever be able to do uh, you know um 
a Mass Effect uh, travel again, like you know, going through through the um, you know the uh, what the hell are they called? Yeah, Mass Relays. Mass, yeah, Relays. Um, we, the, you know, they're all gone. Who knows if we'll ever get ships working again? Well, we're all screwed now. Um, and that was really depressing. Um, but I feel like in the extended cut, for me, Destroy becomes the best ending. Um, number obviously, you know, if you have enough um, points, Shepard can live, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. But the the idea that hey we won like what we've been trying to do since we fi- since we understood what reapers are in mass effect one what we've been trying to do is destroy the reapers and we win we you know like mission accomplished um yeah. frankly i would have been okay with um you know when you when you you defeat the elusive man and uh, you you lay back and you sit down with uh, with um, Anderson and he tells you you did good kid. I yeah, feel, I feel like if they would have just faded to black after that and then credits roll, uh, I would have been okay with that. I know what you mean actually. It's uh, and the elusive man looking at Earth as well. Oh, I yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that would have been okay. Um, but what really there there were a handful of things that bugged me. Um, number one, right. not. It, the 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 star child coming on with no foreshadowing whatsoever mm-hmm. i don't like that at all um, right that really bugs me and that is not fixed in in the extended cut but okay no. i'll accept it. it that's what it is now um the other thing that really bugged me is that it, it the, with before the extended cut it really felt like hey the people that you cared about the most um well they're probably all doomed and fucked now and we don't know yeah um because like, hey, you know, you 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 really uh, you know really care about your crew and you really care about uh, the people you left behind. And well, they're probably dead. Oh well, shrug. Guess we don't need to talk about them. And we didn't get any closure. Not closure on the galaxy on the whole. I would have been okay yeah. not getting that. I wanted closure for the people that I interacted with, my crew. And we got that in spades in the extended cut. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I'm, so I was really, really happy about that. I would say, uh, no, I wasn't happy with the ending. I, now, mind you, I was not one of the crazy uh, burn Bioware to the ground people. Yeah, um, put up a billboard outside there. How much would it cost? 70,000? Yeah, let's do that. Um, it, didn't, it didn't at all ruin the game for me. I loved Mass Effect 3, and there was no yeah. point where I didn't love it. Because up until the ending, there was nothing that I would have changed. I really, really liked... Uh, well, I mean, like, okay, there's minor minor peeves but on the whole the game is great it's fantastic um so i was never i was never unhappy with the game and with the extended cut i would say somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of my complaint is gone now Um, yeah so the extended cut i think did a good job um and i'm I'm really glad that existed if they if they would have released the extended cut as the original cut there would have been i would i would wager there would have been close to zero backlash at all i would agree i would agree yes and it's yeah, yeah while i don't necessarily agree with the backlash i do sort of understand where it comes from and when you say that i think yeah that's all fair and it's all well and good and it does make sense i kind of with say the star chart appearing from nowhere he, he had the dreams and whatever and I kind of think, right, it's a VI doing whatever, the kind of, oh, I picked a form that's familiar to you kind of general sci-fi cliches. And I didn't think it was amazing, but I thought, 
good ending. I also like in the extended cut. I like what they do is they make it more apparent that the that the Star Child is ju- he's simply just an a- an AI. He's yeah. he, like he's just one thing. He's not a god. Like he isn't all knowing. No, exactly. Everything that he can that he thinks, for all we know, is completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and I like that in the original cut. If you go back and play it, it is more strongly implied that he's right um now that you have the ability to question and 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 basically reject him which i think is hilarious that they added that yeah Um, (laughs) uh, terrifying as well (laughs) yes um but i like that it is more clear now that just because the star child says oh well humans and and uh and uh, synthetics will never get along just because he says that doesn't make it true yeah I, I i like that a lot yeah, I agree with you. Although I, I didn't get the vibe that he was necessarily right in originally, which might be why I didn't hate it as much as some people did. It's they, they, they didn't set it up. Now, I, obviously, you, everybody can interpret it however they want. But yeah. I feel like in the original cut, it, it wasn't apparent that, that Shepard, that it wasn't apparent in game that Shepard could... Bl- would think that he could be completely wrong. It was it was pretty much set up originally to be like, oh well, now that you said that, now we have to make decisions based on the way that you presented the world as it is, and that is not necessarily true. Yeah, well, it's see, I sort of saw the Star Child as is that his official name or is it just a fan? It's no, it, it's Star the Child. catalyst, but everybody oh, yeah, everybody yeah. calls him Star Kid or Star Child. Yeah, I didn't see him so much as an advisor as much as the manual so it's you've built this crucible here's what it does look our first solution was wrong he's already been wrong once he's already been completely incorrect they thought that synthetics and organics were doomed not to be able to cooperate and uh, they they clearly are able to and they've managed to save the galaxy and build this crucible by working together so clearly he's been wrong the first time here's the crucible here are the functions that you've been able to build it to do. The, the galaxy has come together to enable it to do. Go nuts is kind of how I saw that scene. So it might just be that I was reading it completely differently to everyone else. Yeah, I'm, well, no, no, I think that your interpretation is completely as valid as mine is. Mm. Um, th- what is also interesting is that in the extended cut with Destroy, you get Hackett come over and do and does the voiceover, and he explains like, "Oh well, all we have to do it's going to be easy. All we have to do is go in and fix all the relays, and everything's going to be fixed." <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. "Okay, that's nice." And but they get to me, it's like, "Oh well, in Destroy, you kill Edie and the Geth. Well, fuck if we can if we can fix the mass relays and all our ships, can't we fix fucking Edie and the Geth?" Yeah, that was kind of my rationale for choosing control rather than destroy is because i hadn't done enough to get synthesis because i hadn't played multiplayer and i was just sort of doing a good run through just four days flat basically and it's i had a choice between control or destroy and my destroy option was i had already chosen to kill sacrifice the quarians which hurt because they're one of my very favorite races but they were in the wrong and they had to they live by the sword they die by the sword if they want to bombard the Geth, that is their mistake to make. Oh, I'm preserving the Geth. Yeah, I'm giving. Tally dies. I know, and that was heart wrenching. That is, oh, god, I hated that absolutely. But it's, I knew I was right. right. I, I'm with you. I, my my first playthrough ever, I didn't, I fucked up, and I was, I didn't have it. I didn't have enough points or whatever to um to uh, persuade uh, to broker peace. 
Um, no. So I and I, I the first time I sided with the Geth, and then Tally jumped off a fucking cliff, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess I have to reload the save because there's no way I'm letting Tally die. Oh right, that's fair. That's 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 a perfectly sensible way of doing it as well. But it's I chosen to save the Geth, and that kind of by choosing destroy, I was rendering the sacrifice of the Quarians completely meaningless. And control is just. It means there are no Reapers. There's just me living immortally in a Reaper. What could be better? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, I know. That scares the hell out of me. Um, yeah, that's... it's A British Reaper would be brilliant. <laughs> yes, they're wearing a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> Assuming direct control, governor. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, for me, I would have never, under any circumstance, chosen control. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you play as mostly Paragon, right? Um, it was sort of yeah. Paragon on the big decisions, Renegade because I'm really impatient. When you, I guess, from my understanding, now I have not played the control endings, but from my, from what I've read on the internet is that there's two versions of the extended cut control ending. Mm-hmm. One for people who are mostly Renegade, and one for people who are mostly Paragon. Um, do you get the, per, the the Renegade or the Paragon? I presume I got the Paragon one because it wasn't creepy at all. Um, and I've heard people saying, "Oh, isn't it so sinister?" And thought. No, I'm, I'm the Reapers. It's great. I see. Yeah, so I, I, it probably would be very different. I should, what I should do is I, I, I watched the synthesis on YouTube. I don't think I watched the control, either of the control endings on uh, on YouTube. I really, I should just go through and watch all the different endings, all the different um, uh, variations on YouTube uh, because fuck playing through yeah. <laughs> all, all that stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't have time for that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think I, I liked it um, if... If you could go back in time and for your first playthrough and replace the original ending with the extended ending, would you do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, I, I think it was basically fine to start with, but that made it even more basically fine. It was, it was lovely closure and heart wrenching ending in places and what I do, inspiring. Yeah. yeah. What I really do love is if you have enough points and you pick the destroy ending, when your crew is putting up the nameplates uh on the on the like the the board where every, like these are people we've lost um you see anderson and you see anderson's a uh, placard and your love interest uh goes up to um put uh your name on and they won't and they just uh, they take it back they, they can't put your name on because like oh no we're gonna go look for shepherd because shepherd we think shepherd's still alive yeah i think that's a really nice touch that they they went through all that stuff and that you know depending on your choices and that's really what i think a lot of people just wanted they're like oh i want my choices to have more impact and they yeah they do they do yeah totally so I like that a lot. Uh, I thought that was really great. So let's talk about. Uh, well, let me put it this way: Is there anything else that you wanted to discuss about the the single player experience before we move on to multiplayer? Um, no, not nothing comes to mind. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the multiplayer. Um, you and I have have played together, um, and we. I, I assume that you've played all three of the uh, the DLCs, right? Big time, yeah. Um. What did you think? I mean, obviously you like it enough to play it. Um, is it if this was a standalone game in Xbox Live Arcade, and uh, you know it was, let's say it's ten or fifteen dollars, um, would you buy it standalone? Um, is it still affiliated with the Mass Effect brand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no it, it's a Mass Effect brand. Like it's just let's just say it's called like Mass Effect Team Assault or whatever. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's fifteen dollars on the Xbox Live Arcade. You know, I think I probably would. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, I agree. I think it was definitely worth. It's definitely worth uh, um, playing for, and, and it's it's a really really it's it's a fun. Uh, it, it, I think it really explains how much work they've put into the combat system that a multiplayer game with no story. I, I mean, I guess it technically has like some backstory. Yeah, uh, but but it's got context. Yeah, it, it it but it's not. You're not you're not moving through a story in the multiplayer. You're just you're just shooting mans. Yeah, um, exactly. And they've done a lot of work, and it's fun. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a big one. Now, what you what class do you end up playing the most in multiplayer? Right. Well, I've got a few favorite classes. It's when I went in, I thought, oh, I'm really looking forward to playing as aliens, and I thought I'd be a male Quarian engineer, which I then found out didn't exist. Um, so I ended up getting very, very good with the Asari adept, and that's if I'm playing a gold match, which I sometimes do if I'm feeling particularly uh, what's the word. Uh, <laughs> no, not that. Not that one. Um, it's masochistic. There we go. Yeah, if I'm feeling particularly uh, glutton for punishment, I'll go right. Have a bit of gold. Play some Asari adepts. Great fun. Wonderful fun. Um, I still don't have the vanilla. Asari. I I mainly play adept, and I still don't fucking have the regular Asari adept. I have the Asari Justicar, which is amazing. Yeah, Justicar's pretty cool. Although not one of my main ones, I wouldn't say. But, I still don't have that god. Like, there, what can I like? Run, run. Oh, that's what I really hate is the loot system. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, I, it's so frustrating that no matter how many goddamn points I put into this, I cannot get the shit that I want. All I get is shotguns. I never ever use shotguns. Yeah, it can be very annoying. But at the same time, the feeling when you finally get the class that you've been wanting for the last six weeks or so—it's there. There's. Yeah, it's, I can't imagine it with a different loot system, but at the same time, I do agree that it is pretty if irritating. They could just, if they would just do specific packs, like, I just want weapons, or I just want classes, or I yeah. just want gear. Um, and they kind of have that with the, uh, what is it, the um, the jumbo... Equipment pack, yeah. yeah. Equipment pack. That's, that's great. I just wish they would do more. Like, I wish there was just a class pack. Yeah. Because I, I just want fucking classes. I do not want another shotgun. Uh, I mean entirely with you on that yeah um so uh, there, there are still classes i don't have which drives me crazy um but so so you say a uh, sorry just a car or no sorry um adapt yeah. um is is one of your main ones do you have uh, other favorites yeah well it's i've got two ones which i kind of consider my go-to classes which are the sorry adept and the batarian soldier is brilliant now i, I have the batarian, I have the batarian sentinel do that do you uh, do they play much different very different. It's the Batarian Sentinel, I believe, is considered one of the worst classes in the game, and the Batarian Soldier certainly for me is one of the best. It's yeah, it's complete. It's Batarian you Soldier. Blade, you don't have blade armor though, right? Yeah, um, I've got blade armor. Oh, nice. I don't have a submission net. Uh, well, I never use a submission net. There we go. Um, yeah. So I, I soldier. I am really bad at soldier in multiplayer. Um. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong, or maybe it's because I don't have all, you know, like I don't have the the highest tier weapons. Maybe mm-hmm. you really do have to have the highest tier weapons to be any good. Um, but I just can't do enough damage with just guns. That's, yeah, that's, um, it's, I think one of the things with the Batarian Soldier is that I very much spe- uh, specialized it for guns. So it's like I've got a couple of points in Ballistic Blades, but the rest of it is Blade Armor, which is passive and you've just got on all the time. 
and Inferno Grenade, which doesn't have a cooldown. So there's kind of... You need the right soldier, I think. Normal soldiers are a little bit touch and go. but um, Yeah, I mean... It... <laughs> And I'm, t- you know, with these with these latest ones, you get you get the um, I I have the uh, N7 Fury, which is the uh, the N7 Adept. And, oh, she's good, isn't she? Oh my God, that you you just you just spam. I, I can't even remember what it's called, but it, it's equivalent to like Reeve. Um, but it, it's it's uh, it just like it's an in fact it's a damage over time. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is so goddamn effective it is so effective <laughs> it's i just charging up to them with the annihilation field on and then just throwing everything and detonating everything you can get kill streaks just with throw it's great um so of of the three dlcs um um which one of your favorite now the first one we we got um Vorcha and oh no 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 the first one was um the resurgence pack which is batarians uh... Asari, Krogan, and Geth. Yeah, the Krogan Battlemaster. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember. And then, then the second one was Vorcha and uh, the the um, uh, the Cerberus folks. Mm-hmm, uh, male Quarians. Male Quarians, which is what you wanted. Did you, did you actually end up liking the Male Quarians? Yeah, love the Male Quarians. Very good. Uh, I, I like all the engineers, actually. It's even the human ones. They're a bit boring, but great, well, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Not be, Trying to play... Um, a Turian or a Batarian and not being able to roll or dodge, that is hard. It's, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, you do get kind of, say, if you've got a, I don't know, a Banshee firing warp at you, you just sort of sat there going, well, I suppose I'm resigned to my fate. I've had a good life. If it was single player where you can just, where you could essentially camp and they would come to you, Mm-hmm. It would be okay, but in multiplayer, you really can't just sit and cover and wait for them to eventually come. Otherwise, yeah. you'll get zero points. Yeah, <laughs> um, you really have to get out of cover and walk around. Um, mm. And when you walk around, you end up getting in tight situations and rolling, especially rolling backwards. Mm. Um, but even rolling side to side, that's it. Really does it gets me out of a lot of tough spots. Um, and especially, God, oh, with uh, with the Asari and then with the N seven Fury, with the their with their they can they can uh, use their barrier to ma- basically like disappear or, or make uh, the Asari like they scoot, they, they have like a bike yeah, yeah. scoot, and then the the Fury has like um, like they um, uh, apparate. Um, yeah, you can teleport up cliffs with that. It's brilliant. That's so useful. And then when I try to play like a Turian or a Batarian, and I, I I understand with Turians and I understand with Krogan, I don't get that with Batarians. Batarians are basically humans with four eyes. Yeah, well, I, I imagine it's just because their armor's so bulky is kind of the rationale for it. But I find, certainly with my Batarian soldier, I don't find that I'm misrolling as much as I was expecting to. It was weird at first, but the Batarian soldier is so good all around that it almost doesn't matter. It's decently bulky. It's good at melee. It's good with guns. It's got decent powers. It's kind of got a bit of everything and to the point that it's got so few weaknesses that not rolling is kind of acceptable, I would say, personally. Um, so would you, who, what class would you say is your worst? Oh, infiltrators. Every infiltrator in the game, which I know everyone loves infiltrators, and I, I, I don't get it. Well, I, I, I get it for one reason, and that is Cloak is so goddamn useful in multiplayer. 
Uh, yeah. Because you, because I, I don't know. Maybe I just suck at video games, but I get in tough situations. And cloak when you, if I play as an infiltrator, being able to cloak out uh, and get the fuck away and not die uh, mm. is saves me from embarrassment of of dying everywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, it's I, I, I think a lot of the appeal of um, tactical cloak on higher difficulty certainly is that it comes with a pretty big weapon bonus as oh, well yeah, huge huge i mean you have to spec it that way but yeah if if you've if you spec properly you're going to get a huge um sniper rifle um bonus yeah and i think it's there's another one that applies to every weapon as well if you don't take the duration or something like that but it's yeah so it's people use it more like an adrenaline rush than like a cloak and i really liked my infiltrator in mass effect too i like sort of disappearing and reappearing and firing off powers but it's very much not the way that they're used in mass effect 3 and especially not in the multiplayer they're used as kind of glass cannons that get right close and then uh, destroy them with shotguns using yeah using it like an adrenaline burst which it isn't my play style i like my weapon specialist to be like the batarian soldier personally i i've only played gold a handful of times and i and if you can if you can get a group of people that you actually know uh, mm-hmm. and you're on mic it's do it's doable and it's not really all that bad um but if you're trying to play goal at least for me because i i I can't carry a whole team i'm not that good yeah Um, i can't carry the whole team on my awesomeness um (laughs) you have to have four people that are at least competent i'm I'm a competent player i'm not great um Mm -hmm. i can i can hold my own you know especially if you have somebody orchestrating like you need to go here you need to go there um i gold is fine with four people on mic but trying to play with pubs i just cannot finish a gold match we die every time i've i've i must be getting on at the good hours because i tend to get on all right with um random it's we don't win every time certainly it's but we win frequently enough that it's interesting and it's i think yeah, it's I tend I, I must be blessed with good luck of the draw. Or because... maybe you're just better at, at at Mass Effect than I am because uh you know if if all of a sudden like two people are down it's like well fuck there's no way I'm gonna be able to get to where they like you know they have a mob there's no way I'm gonna be able to get in there and revive them so now we're just doomed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be over here and I'm gonna try to like I'm gonna do try to do mob control to to thin out the herd and then by then the other the, the third guy's dead and I'm like well now we've wiped and it's only <laughs> and it's only like a round four so god damn it oh yeah it's um yeah I, I do tend to play quite cagely and it's as I said I've only yesterday used a class that's not the Asari adept on gold so it's I stick with exactly what I know and what I know I can do very well with um, I used the N7 Paladin yesterday, actually, and we extracted on a random. And um, yeah, it was quite. Now, quite, were they uh, mic'd or was it completely silent? Completely silent. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know how we did that either. <laughs> um, and platinum. I'll never, ever touch platinum. Ever. No, nor me. It's, I wouldn't touch gold until platinum came out because there are a lot of people, I get the impression, that don't like it if they don't win. It's like people, everyone wants to win, but some people need to win. And it's, I don't want to annoy them when they're playing has been my logic yeah i i get that because i i play i play it because it's fun not because mm-hmm. i need to have more points than the other guy <laughs> yeah um, yeah precisely yeah i i really i enjoy it's it, and that and i that's exactly how i play the game is that i am not a competitive gamer i no, exactly i enjoy playing the game because it's it's fun and it when it's not fun anymore i don't want to play 
Yeah, and it's I, I kind of feel that people should be playing on the mode that ca- challenges them rather than the mode that they can reliably beat. So it's I, I never liked the idea that people who are significantly better than me were up on the maximum difficulty and they would be annoyed if I was dragging them down, which I would have done. So I, now that they're up to platinum, I'm yeah, happier. I have, to, I have to tell you, I still occasionally wipe on silver uh, yeah, same. with pubs because like sometimes... It, like if you get a bad party then or like they're not paying attention they'll wipe and then you're trying to save them and then you wipe and then that's terrible but also sometimes you like especially with geth i get it with geth is that yeah. if you make uh, if you just make mistakes like dumb mistakes like oh i shouldn't have turned around that corner because there's a pyro there yeah uh, if you make if you make too many mistakes you just you wipe you wipe on like you know wave five on silver yeah, completely. But th- I think that makes it more interesting. I, l- I like a game where I don't know that I'm going to win, where I think, all right, I'd like to win. I usually win, but there's every chance that I might not get through this. I like the kind of back to the war kind of, right, let's let's make a mistake and then let's compensate for it brilliantly. It's- yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, otherwise it's like, oh, hey, let's just do the same. And then also the people who farm for gold. I don't like that. Like, I get it that you want more loot. That's fine. I, I understand that, hey, loot is cool. But people who just play um, gold, or at least previously, they, they, would play, they would play gold, geth, and then um, novaria. And they would just farm gold because they can just you know, hide in one corner and kill all the geth as they come through. Just yeah. Most, like, that's not very fun. No, it's a bit like, well, after saying it's not very fun, it's just going to sound really weird, but it's a bit like stamp collecting. It's If they're not playing the game, they're just they're just trying to fill a book with quarians, with pictures of quarians. I don't, I don't understand why you would want to get the loot from the game without playing the game, personally. But I, I, it's, completely, it's a completely different experience that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, overall, do, do you have uh, a favorite map? I mean, the new ones are really great. Um, I, I quite like, I really like London. Um, I'm, I'm not so struck on Vancouver yet. Vancouver still feels a little bit unusual. What about it's, Rio? Rio I like. I've got a lot of time for Rio. Um, I think my favorite map is probably on Sakesh. It's Firebase Jade, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, Jade is um, Thessia. Is it? Yeah, I think I think Jade might be Thessia. Is that Goddess? Oh, no, you're right. You're absolutely you're okay, right. Yeah. You're right. Goddess is Thessia. Jade yeah, is... I always get confused. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, yeah, I like that. I, I like Thessia, and I like Sakesh. Um, and you know what? I like most of the... Uh, I can't... I can't... I can't remember. What's the... I can't remember the in the original maps. Um, there's yeah. one where you're kind of in like it looks almost like a sewer system. Oh, is that reactor? Yeah, yeah, it is the reactor. I don't like that map at all. Um, it's too small. I didn't until I turned the brightness up, and now I quite like it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but there, there's, I mean, I, I love that they they've supported the game up to this point. And look, if, if they don't ever release another multiplayer thing, okay, that's fine. If they they're do, going to. Well, they, Chris Priestley said today they're going to. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, but I love that they've supported it. I love that we've gotten three content, and they've done all the tweaks. Like, you know, the, they're constantly tweaking the balance of the game. Yeah, I really love that. I don't get why people go, oh, no, they've, they've nerfed my gun. I don't know how I'm going to cope. It's, I'm, I mean, with it. It's, 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 it's not supposed to be, you know, press the button and you win. 
Precisely. It's and I what I really don't like is I've I've had a little look on the Bioware social network. Oh is it? no, bad times. I, I know. It's I didn't like what I saw. It's, <laughs> it's really the worst. It's, it's the worst of the internet. It's where common sense goes to die. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really hope that that obviously there's so many people. So I mean, so many of the Bioware um uh, the community people. That, you know, they're they're out on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah. But I really ho- I I hope that that's enough to keep them sane because I've done community management stuff and right. Uh, being in a, in an echo chamber where all you hear is people bitching is is soul killing. I. Can't, I don't know how they managed to cope with it. Fortunately, they all seem to have their heads screwed on, and they keep doing the balance changes regardless of how many times Elite Sniper 447 says, Oh, I don't want you to nerf the Typhoon. It's unusable now. It's like shooting pellets out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so recently they released um, the um, Firefight pack um, for, um, for uh, single player, mm-hmm. and that's a gun pack. And normally I don't care at all about gun packs I, I like i just don't care but i was like you know what now that i'm doing quadcast i should probably buy it it's only two dollars i have two dollars yeah. um, <laughs> uh i should buy it so i can talk about it on the podcast and i've I, I played with it and you know you get most of it is guns from multiplayer which is cool yeah um but you also have this new one that is uh it's a it's from the blood pack um and it is it, it's a um uh a uh, submachine gun that can strip armor and oh. it is amazing. <laughs> it jumps around like a kid on caffeine, though. It is, um, ooh, it jumps around everywhere, and so you really have to scope it. But uh, it is nice that they've taken what people liked from the multiplayer and put it back into single player. Do you, yeah. Do you, would you like to see more of that? I would. It's I've, I've not been able to uh, buy the Firefight pack yet. I've only just got Mass Effect 3 working again after a couple of weeks. But it's I'm absolutely in favor of it, and it's... I'm quite. I'm surprised at how excited I am to try out both of the new guns and just to get the um, multiplayer ones into single player because they've done a cracking job on those guns and they've done a cracking job on balancing them. I'm going to stick with this. They're going to call, right people on the internet when they hear this. They are going to call us nerfers, <laughs> nerf herders, if you will. Yeah, the nerf ducks, nerf whatever. They'll call us nerfers. It's there's more to a multiplayer game than. Than picking up a big fat gun and shouting kaboom. It's this is delicate fail balance. They need to keep changing it. I it's, agree. I, and hey, if you want to go in and just stomp face, there's there's always bronze. Yeah, precisely. Like, like if you just want to have the experience of going in and wiping out, you know, a platoon of Geth or whatever, then fine, go play bronze. That's cool. And if if that's if that's what's fun to you, that's great. Yeah, yeah, have you fun. can still take down a brute in five shots. It's just that you won't get much money for it. Right. Um, and, and deal with it, guys. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's talk about Leviathan, which is not out yet as, as we record this. Uh, it'll be out. Uh, they announced it that it'll be on the 28th, um, which is great. I, I can't wait. Um, now, what are you, you're, now, basically, we, we've, we've seen some of the leaked stuff you know, that was in previous patches, like the extended cut. There was some Leviathan content that was put in. Um, are you in, it has something to do with... Um, a reaper, a rogue reaper, almost, uh, essentially. Now, from what we understand, are you excited to see this? I am. It's. I've been not avoiding spoilers, but I've just been keeping to teasers as much as I can. And it's. It sounds delicious. It's. Um. Is the Leviathan of Dis, isn't it? Yeah, as far as we understand. Yes. Yeah, from unless they're unless they're trolling us, unless Bioware is trolling us, which is 
perfectly plausible. But... Yes. Um, but yeah, we, 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 I mean, everyone assumes that it's the Leviathan of Death. Yeah, Rogue Reaper, just those two words, that's, that's a pitch in itself. If you say Rogue Reaper, you're already going, ooh. And I, I imagine I'll be sat there in giddy joy probably for the next however long it takes to complete without, I'll be on a sort of saline drip. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. I want more Mass Effect content. So no yeah. matter what, even if it was something, even if, like, this is pretty interesting, but even if it was like, hey, guess what? We're going to explore the Volus homeworld. And I'm like, all right. I'd love that. Uh, I'd love that. <laughs> well, even if it was that, I would still buy it because I want to support Bioware. I want, Bi- I'm like, Bioware, take my money. You get more money because I want you to continue making great Mass Effect stuff. And if nobody buys the DLC, they're not going to... Guess what? They're not going to keep making DLC. If a lot of people buy DLC, they're going to make a lot more DLC. Yeah, precisely. Keep telling the stories, Bioware. We love them. Yes. yes. I'm a huge fan, and they get my money. And guess what? All you have to do to get my money is make great games. Yeah, which they have many times now exactly uh, and bioware continues to make me happy and uh and so they get my money um future dlc do, are do you have uh, obviously we've talked about many times in the past um on the podcast um that it, it it's certainly been hinted strongly that um a take back omega um dlc is a possibility um if they release that, would you be in, would you be excited, interested? If you could, you know, work with Arya to take back Omega from the from the elusive man, more than excited, I would I would buy that before its release date. I would find a way. I would call people up and I'd be saying, "Can I have my take back Omega, please?" And they'd be telling me where I can stick it. And yeah, I I would absolutely love it. I mean, obviously, I mean, do do are you a, are you an Arya fan? Uh, uh, what sorry an aria fan oh right uh yes yeah she's quite cool it's i liked her on in mass effect 2 i liked her in mass effect 3 it's she is one of those interesting characters those kind of interesting contradictions of a character which they were best at writing in mass effect well it's like there were loads of them in mass effect 2 and it's nice to see a bit of the spirit of mass effect 2 carrying forward into mass effect 3 and i would love to sort of return to oh it'd be brilliant if i could get if we could get a Lair of the Shadowbroker style take back uh, Omega DLC. You know, let's say it's two hours, two to three hours of content. Um, I would, I would pay fifteen. I would pay fifteen dollars um, for it, uh, absolutely without without question, because I think it would be that compelling. Um, and I trust them. I trust them to do really cool stuff. Is there is there something else that you would hope to see in future DLC before they retire ME three DLC? Well, I was hoping that Leviathan might bring a squad mate with it. It's I'm a big fan of new squad mates because each one is kind of it's a story that doesn't stop when you finish the dlc it can carry on through the rest of the game to an extent um they did particularly well with jarvik but kasumi it's all the new characters we've got from squad mate dlcs um even zaid absolutely wonderful little character it's he's just a little character but he's interesting and there are dilemmas and there are multiple sides to him and it's he went and abandoned the blue suns and all that and it's quite interesting it's i i'm I want a Batarian squad mate more than anything. It's... Yeah. I mean, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I would love it. I would love mm-hmm. an additional squad mate. I just, I'm really skeptical about that it would happen because it would require so much work. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, to be fair, they could do a Kasumi style squad, squad mate where yeah. there's really not much, uh, she's not really in, in the plot at all, uh, other than, like, other than you can, you can hear her talk to you and you can, uh, do her DLC mission, like her, uh, her loyalty mission, but 
to have an integrated squad mate that would i feel like that would require way too much work than a dlc especially like you know it's whatever it's been four months five months since release do you really think that it would like the work that would be put into a full-fledged squad mate yeah uh, i don't know if that would happen no i don't think they could do a jarvik star but i would be more than happy with just a kasumi star batarian just but it's because there's so much to say about the batarians it's i feel like the batarians as a race are the one that are the least expanded on it's what i was saying right at the start about kind of challenging your prejudices it's um they kind of build up an image and a myth of a certain race or a certain character or it's like even in mass effect 2 when you're going out and you're recruiting say jack you think that she's going to be a man and it's only until uh, you open the chamber that you see that it's actually a woman it's all these tiny little things and that's kind of what mass effect is built on they've never done that with the batarians they we've never seen the nice batarian we need and to meet a cool batarian basically i mean the the best we've gotten in that regard is an okay batarian like you get the preacher um uh on the citadel um yeah like they're they're like they're decent batarians they're not they're not abhorrent which is um, like they're not the you know the scum that we've grown to no we haven't met an awesome batarian precisely yeah and it's oh sorry carry on well we and we also know that garris uh had a squad mate uh when he was you know on omega um that was a batarian who was apparently you know at least decent enough yeah garris to trust him but yeah it would be nice to have you know an, an against type uh batarian yeah, well, it's I thought because we've never seen any of them like who live within the hegemony, have we? The no, Batarian. I mean, I mean, no, because we the only time we ever meet anybody in the hegemony is once is really once the hegemony is gone. Um, yeah, once it's been destroyed, because um, whatever Balak from uh, Bring Down the Sky in Mass Effect Three comes back and he's like, "I'm the highest ranking official in the hegemony," you know, basically because. The hegemony's been been toppled. It's been destroyed by Reapers. Yeah, well, it's I. I always thought, and I was really hoping that Leviathan might bring something like this because it's the Leviathan in the first game was being investigated by Batarian scientists, wasn't it? Uh, I, I I can't remember. Well, I I think that what the uh, what Shepherds what the Normandy needs is it needs a Sentinel, it needs a Batarian, and it needs a proper nerd. It's we, we don't have a nerd. It, have two pairs of glasses, big lab coat, absolutely wonderful. And it's he's never seen, he's never left his home planet. He's never kind of uh, gone out into the world. And then he goes into space and then he meets these heroes and goes, oh my God, real live aliens. Like what I've heard about, what I've spent all my life studying. And he would fly away with them. So and that would you, be my dream DLC. You want, you want uh, Liara from Mass Effect 1 as a Batarian? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Except that times a billion because she'd met other species hadn't she yeah i'm sure yeah well it's like it's suddenly this man has been or woman it could be a female batarian that would be interesting it's yeah (laughs) yeah this batarian has sort of spent their entire life within this totalitarian regime that won't allow them to leave the planet and he's he or she has always dreamed of it and yeah it would be perfect we it's because the only sense now we've got could be dead before the game started we don't have a nerd on the ship, and we don't have a Batarian. It's do all three. Leviathan would have been the perfect time, but I don't think it's happening. Now, the last thing we really have to talk about is the future of Mass Effect. Um, right. So, 
uh, they, you know, Bioware has come out and said, you know, this is the end of Shepard's story, period. Um, now, that doesn't mean necessarily that that's really the way it's going to go down because, they, you know, like uh, Microsoft said that, oh, well, this is the end of uh, Halo. The Halo 3 is the end of, uh, of Master Chief's story and then Halo 4 comes out. Um, so there's nothing saying that Bioware couldn't do the exact same thing. Oh, totally. Um, but let's let's assume that, the, that they're right and they're not going to change their minds anytime soon. Mm. And we're no, no more Shepard. We we uh, once the DLC once the DLC is done, we're done with Shepard. Yeah. Um, what what would you like to see in doesn't it doesn't have to be Mass Effect Four, but the next Mass Effect game? Well, I it's one thing that I'd really like, and it's what I was looking forward to with Mass Effect Three multiplayer was the ability to play as different races of aliens. So I'd quite like the pre-human universe. So it's you would start the game, and rather than being given a choice between, say, Adept, Vanguard, Sentinel, necessarily, you'd be able to choose between Asari, Turian, or Solarian. So, and then that would define which particular disciplines you could choose, and they would each have a different first mission before perhaps becoming a Spectre and then going out into the universe for the same basic story. Like, uh, did you ever play Dragon Age Origins? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, sort of similar thing to that. So they all sort of start from different places, then they become specters and they go out and save the galaxy kind of thing right so it's it's kind of uh you know it would be like three games that merge into one yeah yeah it's yeah sort of stories of lots of different characters so like in dragon age you could have say lord i duke and if you were a dwarf or you could have one of the little elf fellows or whoever or mages or whatever yeah I, I, I i see what you're saying that would be pretty interesting um, to do that. Also, I would love to see a Rachni War, um, yeah, uh, um, game, or maybe maybe like a, a, a Krogan Rebellion uh, would be pretty interesting to see. Or you know what? Even if it was a game that was about the first contact war between humans and and Turians. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'd be on board with all of them. And in, in fact, one thought that I did have when I was preparing for this podcast was: wouldn't it be interesting to do kind of like an anthology game so it's sort of like you might have one chapter is the morning war one chapter is the ratni wars and another's the first contact war and you're getting all these different sort of just as a side game just as a spin-off so it might be sort of not part of the main overarching canon but it's just kind of filling in the blanks to an extent i would love that i mean and that's really kind of the benefit of you get a lot of of you know like you get the comics and you get the novels and and that kind of stuff where you get a lot of the, the filling in where we kind of only get you know basic information, you get a lot more. Yeah. In. I would love to see games that do that. Um, I, it would be great. And you know what? It doesn't have to be. Oh well, this is the the Mass Effect formula. Uh, and, but instead of Shepard, you're you're Krogan. It can be a different game in the Mass Effect universe. It doesn't have to have the exact same um, user interface. It doesn't have to have the exact same gameplay. It can be yeah. something different. And yeah, that's kind of where sort of say having a selection of small games would allow you perhaps to try different formulas and be a little bit sort of more jaunty and a bit more experimental. It's like, don't release it as Mass Effect 4, release it as Mass Effect Origins or whatever. But yeah, it's something like that, I think, would be. And also, there's also the idea, now that we have this concept of an idea um, of, hey, this was what happened, uh, you know, this is, you know, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years after Mass Effect 3, you know, in, in the, in the post credit stuff. 
Do you think that now they've said the oh well we're not going to do that? But do you think that they would ever consider doing a game that is you know thousands of years after after the events of Mass Effect Three? Well, I think I I would quite like that, and it's what I kind of thought they would do before I started playing Mass Effect Three. Before it came out, I thought the following one this would be the end of Shepard's story, and then it would take place in the universe that Shepard sculpted, but. With Mass Effect 3, they told a lot of the kind of stories that they could only tell at the end of Mass Effect. Sort of massive kind of, say, whether the Quarians or the, or the Geth or nobody or everybody is on Rannoch, that's, that's massive. That's the kind of thing that... They, they, if they did that on Mass Effect 2, they wouldn't have a Mass Effect 3. They would just have this kind of massive open loose ends or whatever. It's So, and I mean, for all they... Yeah, it's half of the galaxy could have it's sort of green circuits on their skin. It's <laughs> yes, it's a very good point. So I, I don't think we'll be seeing anything set in the future myself, but I imagine future generations will be listening to this podcast because obviously they will. Yeah, they'll be like, wow, how wrong Rob was. Woo, yeah, he was I am... <laughs> I'm imagining them opening a time capsule in maybe the year 2050, dusting it off, going, oh, MP3s, don't remember them. I've got a prehistoric computer player they went ha, no they're off games in the future so yeah no, I just... mean come on I'm playing Mass Effect 473 uh, you know Shepard's Revenge yeah, <laughs> uh, yes. yeah. Uh, so let, let's uh, let's tell people where they can find you well what you have a Twitter account you want to plug um, yeah I'm a Rob D Webster on Twitter or one word same as it was last podcast um, aside from that nothing to plug just doing this for the Mass Effect great so if you are interested in uh, in finding that, if you, if you can't type that into Twitter, um, there will be a link to uh, Rob's Twitter account if you go to quadcast.net. Oh, thanks thank so, you. Thanks so much, Rob, for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. So for Quadcast, I'm Grant Bruner. Have a good one. In the bag one.